that information would be just valuable to farmers right away. So, you know, for example, if certain wheat grains are capable of producing high yields at lower fertilizer rates, because they have a higher nitrogen use efficiency, then that will help growers to select the best varieties for optimizing profits. Welcome back to the Growing Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Boyjan. Our goal with this podcast is simple, to provide Alberta farmers and agronomists with timely, relevant, and valuable agronomic knowledge through interviews with experts in various fields of agriculture. We hope that the agronomic information from this and future podcasts brings value to you and your farm. So in this podcast, we're talking with Dr. Kate Congreves, who is an assistant professor at the University of Saskatchewan. She works in a research group that focuses on environmental agronomy and horticulture. So they study farming practices that meet producer goals, but also help reduce environmental impacts. And we're talking specifically about a research project that was recently funded that that she's a lead on. Um, And it looks to identify spring wheat varieties that improve nitrogen use efficiency. We talk a little bit about what nitrogen use efficiency is, why it's being measured in this project, and why it's important for farmers to be thinking about this uh, in the future as we get a better idea of maybe what varieties might be better at utilizing nitrogen in a cropping environment. Uh, it was a very informative conversation. Kate is is very passionate about this and, and ex- it's exciting to see this research come along. So I hope you enjoy this, this conversation I had with, with Dr. Congreves uh, and enjoy the podcast. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Kate. I greatly appreciate it. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with you, maybe if you can give a, a, an introduction to who you are, what you do, and, and um, maybe what research you have going on right now. Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Kate Congreves. I'm an assistant professor of the Department of Plant Sciences at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, my research program is really focused on environmental agronomy and also horticulture. So I look at things such as soil health measurement and management, and also things like nutrient cycling and crop nitrogen use efficiency. And other things that I look at would be like greenhouse gas mitigation and uh, greenhouse gas emissions as well. I imagine these topics are are um, pretty widespread globally right now. I imagine there's there's a few people around the globe that you maybe communicate and work with on some of these projects. Yeah, there's a lot of interest right now because all of those kind of pillars really relate to, you know, sustainable uh, agriculture. And so there's a lot of interest in that right now. So it's a, it's a good time to, to be researching these things. <laughs> Recently, uh, you, were, you started a, a research project of identifying spring wheat varieties that look to improve nitrogen use efficiency. Could you maybe give us a breakdown of what that project looks like and maybe what the goals of it are? Yes, this is an exciting project. We got it in the ground last year and then this season here we're moving into our second year of a, of a three-year three trial and uh, it's uh, you know led by me but it's uh, co-led by my, my colleague Dr. Pierre Huckle who's a wheat breeder at uh, the Department of Plant Sciences and Crop Development Center at USASC. And so what we're interested in is looking at differences in wheat varieties and trying to identify uh, opportunities to improve nitrogen use efficiency in in spring wheat. This is one of those interesting topics because um, 
you know, fertilizer nitrogen, it is, you know, among the costliest uh, inputs that uh, farmers uh, will apply for to get a good crop. And of course, nitrogen, adequate nitrogen is necessary to get a, a good crop. Um, but, you know, if, um, if we're able to have a good crop production with less fertilizer, then that means a win for farmers because you're not putting out uh, as much uh, money on those inputs and it's also good because it, it helps to um, show you know a sustainability metric by uh, improving nitrogen use efficiency as a sustainability metric so you know it's a win for farmers and it's also a win for for environments uh, environmental specialists as well so it's, a, it's an interesting project so for those who aren't familiar with with nitrogen use efficiency I'm, and i'm thinking okay you know how are we making the most out of the nitrogen that we're putting down it was nitrogen use efficiency, what's going on with the plants, you know, each unit of, of nitrogen that that plant uptakes, is it making better use of it? Or are we talking about, you know, each amount or each unit of nitrogen that goes in the ground, are we better able or finding uh, crops or, or, or varieties that are better able to extract that nitrogen from the soil? What, what does that what does nitrogen use efficiency actually mean? That's a really good question. And I'll pass over a little uh, paper on the topic. It just got published and really looking at nitrogen use efficiency definitions and the definitions of today, but also the potential definitions of, of the future. So nitrogen use efficiency can mean a few different things, but it, it boils down to, at the end of the day, how how that plant is using the nitrogen, whether it's coming from the fertilizer or it's coming from the nitrogen in the soil that's sitting there already. And so the complexity really resides in you know, the nitrogen sources. Um, it could be from fertilizers, it could be from soil organic matter, you've got nitrogen that maybe is in the soil from, from fixation. Uh, and so it's kind of that interplay between soil nitrogen availability and, and when the plant needs it and when the plant is gonna take it up and how that plant is gonna allocate the nitrogen as well. So there are different ways to look at nitrogen use efficiency. You could have um, fertilizer-based indices where you can express um, you know, agronomic components like yield on the numerator and on the denominator, you might have you know, fertilizer nitrogen applied. Um, so that would be you know, different types of fertilizer-based nitrogen use efficiency indices. But we also have you know, other types of um, nitrogen use efficiency indices and they could be plant-based. So you might calculate how much nitrogen is in the plant, is in the whole above ground tissues of the plant, uh, and then how much made it to the grain relative to how much the plant has in total. So that's another way of looking at nitrogen use efficiency. And we call those you know, plant-based because a lot of the you know, denominators would be you know, total plant nitrogen in that case. And then we can kind of go down the list and kind of go on forever here. So we can go down to soil-based nitrogen use efficiency indices and those would be in that that denominator we were taking account any fertilizer nitrogen that was applied but also the nitrogen that may be sitting in the soil and and available for that crop to use and so we're kind of including uh, soil pools as well as fertilizer pools now i'll mention one more indices that there are several there are there are other that we can kind of get nitty-gritty but i do want to mention one because we're particularly um, studying this one, which is isotope-based indices. So what that means is that we're using stable isotopes. So these are naturally occurring forms of nitrogen that occur naturally. And we just have fertilizer that is enriched in a certain um, uh, isotope of nitrogen. So that means we can actually trace the nitrogen from the fertilizer all the way into the plant. 
Otherwise, when you measure nitrogen in a plant, you don't know if it's that if that nitrogen actually originated from the soil or from the fertilizer, you know, or the organic matter or or or, or wherever. But in in doing isotope-based studies, we're actually able to pinpoint the source of the nitrogen that that ends up in the grain and and where did that come from and did it come from the fertilizer? So we're using those indices as a more powerful tool to to measure nitrogen use efficiency differences across spring wheat varieties. It's interesting. There's so many different ways to look at it. And I think it speaks to maybe the end goal of, of what, we're, what we're trying to extract from it. It reminds me of, you know, when I did my research at the University of Guelph and I was looking at drought efficiency of different um, different plant species I was looking at. And you can look at C14, um, which is a, a, le- a less common form of carbon that a plant will take up. Um, it's not the preferred type, but you can then use the ratio of, of how much has been pulled in um, to get an idea of how efficient that plant is at utilizing carbon when the stomata are close. So it kind of reminds me of that of that familiarity there. Exactly. You can use nature's tracking devices, like just, you know, natural phenomenon that occur in nature. And you can kind of zoom in and, and use that, harness that information to really get um, more powerful uh, data out of it. So that's great. So who did, who did you do your studies with in Guelph? So I was under, um, I was in horticulture as well. Uh, and I was under Dr. Alan Sullivan at the University of Guelph. Oh, there. fantastic. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I did my PhD uh, at Guelph as, as, as well. And I, I worked in horticulture and with uh, Dr. Laura Van Aert at Ridgetown. And I know, I know Al as well. So that's great. That's a nice connection. Small world sometimes eh? absolutely so i imagine we're you're, you and your team are using this this form of nitrogen use efficiency measurement because it most likely aligns with what producers are doing we're applying a nitrogen and we want to get an idea of how efficient we are with that nitrogen application am i correct in assuming that exactly we we we, we use that label just to in the same way that you would you know uh, grow like conventionally grow spring wheat and we're just using that label to get more uh, powerful data out of to get it kind of get a, a closer look at nitrogen use efficiency yeah so is there is there different like we expect different different nitrogen use efficiencies for different crops the results that come from this would we be able to take it and then apply it to maybe barley or or oats or or even winter wheat or would we just assume that they don't really align whatsoever well it'll be It'll be definitely, this answer is going to be twofold. So on one hand, this will be specific to the varieties that we're testing. So we have selected 0.5 different varieties. Um, Most of them, um, you know, this is in consultation with uh, Dr. Pierre Huckle. So a good selection of high yielding varieties that are commonly grown on the prairies here. but we also have some reference crops, some older varieties, um, and then and some European varieties, just as comparison, and then some new uh, breeding lines that, that Pierre is working on. And so a lot of the metrics are going to be very specific to these varieties, but if we're able to identify certain traits that are associated with improved nitrogen use efficiency, that information is going to be more broadly useful. We can apply that to other crops down the road, right? So. So twofold, like, you know, partly yes and partly, partly no. So mm-hmm. depends on how you look at it. Yeah. When you talk characteristics, are you talking about 
you know, morphological, so what the shape of the plant is. Are we talking about other physiological characteristics of, of how the plant is, is working in, in within the plant? Or, uh, you know, what, what, are you, what are you referring to when you refer to characteristics? Right, right. So this kind of goes back to some early research. So back in the 1990s, uh, researchers uh, did test out a whole bunch of different varieties on and, and they measured nitrogen use efficiency based on you know fertilizer based indices or plant based indices and back then so they didn't use isotopes at that at that time well not at least in the study that i'm referring to and and with just using fertilizer based or plant based nitrogen use efficiency indices they didn't really see a difference based on varieties and so that kind of created this foundation where maybe there's a school of thought that, well, there is no major difference of nitrogen use efficiency depending on the variety. But a lot has changed since then. We have, you know, uh, much higher yielding varieties, very different um, varieties that are used, are grown now conventionally than what's, what was grown in the 90s. And, um, and so there, there's, the question is still valid. Maybe now we do see varietal differences in nitrogen use efficiency. And so I'll kind of put this in context. If you had a nitrogen use efficiency of about 20 to 30%, which is fairly, fairly common, and that's, that, that is common, that's usually what you see. That means only about 20 to 30% of the fertilizer N that you use actually makes its way to the grain. And the rest is either tied up in the soil, maybe it got lost, maybe it just sits in the soil for another year before it becomes used, uh, et cetera. But if we could even inch up that, at that you know, 20 or 30 percent by even five percent or find a, a way to just inch that up a little bit that could make a big difference and so by using the, the n15 technique or stable isotope if we can find evidence that there is a varietal difference in nitrogen use efficiency then we can dig even deeper and find out what is it about a variety that that creates the conditions for a plant to, to better use nitrogen and then pinpoint what that is, and then we can kind of harness that, give that information to breeders, and work closely with breeders, and so then we can kind of keep going towards trying to improve nitrogen use efficiency. So, you know, the old school of thought, maybe there wasn't a big difference, but now thinking, you know, and using these new newer techniques and testing some of these updated varieties, there is an indication that there, there, there might be difference, and uh, uh, let's figure out how we can harness that information to, to move forward and, and improve varieties even still. So are we are we talking about characteristics like you know maybe more finer root hairs or a different root system architecture or are we talking about you know uh, root leaf, systems leaf important size. too so we're, yeah if you look at kind of the, the rooting system and, and when the plant accesses the nitrogen as well how the plant distributes the nitrogen so with using our N15 technique we can measure. Um, all the, like we can measure N15 in all the different places of the plant. And so we can look at how the plant distributes its nitrogen. We can also look at um, you know, temporal dynamics. So nitrogen dynamics over time. So we use SPAD meters just to go out and, and, and look at nitrogen uh, tissue levels as the plant's growing. And if you have rapid uptake or slower uptakes, you know, what is it about a variety that creates that you know, more rapid uptake or faster growth during key periods, et cetera. Um, other, like, of course, traits like yield and grain protein and thousand kernel weight, like kind of those, those basic traits as well with that, that, that we measure. But with the N15 technique, we're, we're really honing in on you know, the distribution of the nitrogen, 
uh, and, and how the plant you know, allocates that nitrogen. Maybe for those who aren't familiar, what is a spad meter? <laughs> it's a handheld unit, and it uh, you you know place it over uh, a, a plant leaf, and it gives you a, a, a colorimetric reading where you can actually get um, uh, an indication of the nitrogen status of the plant. So it's non-destructive. You don't actually have to go out there and uh, destructively collect and measure a whole bunch of tissues um, and bring it back to lab, dry it down and measure it. You can actually take this handheld unit and get an indication of, you know, the greenness of the plant or, or in other words, the, the nitrogen level. That's, it's exciting. And I, it, it's, it's nice to hear, you know, you working with a breeder and that, that, that breeder team as well, you know, to, to take this information and then, push it right on to, okay, how do we then develop better varieties for producers to implement? I think that, you know, putting those two silos together, so to speak, and, and really driving that change is, you know, it's benefit beneficial for producers rather than, you know, having a disconnect and, okay, we've done this research. Now it takes time for the breeders to then take that information and and utilize it in their system. So, um, you know, is that, is that something that that's common in, in are we getting more common with that kind of relationship? I hope so. I hope so. Cause I think it's all connected, you know, the way I look at it, it's, um, you know, when, when, when you do like an an agronomy type of, of research, that's so closely related to, well, also the environmental side is like can I have a good environment agronomy and then kind of work with breeders to kind of hit off all sides here so what's good for farmers um, what's good for breeders which then feeds into what's good for farmers and then also you know what's good for the environment as well so trying to trying to keep an open mind and look at all angles I think that's really and it keeps it on too it does you know it <clears throat> I've really been on this uh, G by E by M kind of train where I'm on by it's almost everything I look at I have this this lens of okay how does this relate to, to genetics and environment and management and how is this interaction happening and I think it's a valuable perspective to have because it's easy to think that you know I've, I've taken this practice or I've found this piece of information and then I can just kind of push it on to different environments and different genetics and expect the same potential result um, but to you know, to think of it as, as, you know, all of these things are interacting um, with their own kind of level of influence, depending on environment and depending on genetics and depending on environment. It's a, it really makes you appreciate the complexity of the system that we're working with and, and the work that, you know, researchers like you and, and breeders and, and farmers as well have have to deal with to 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 make so the true. most yeah, yeah so true yeah. yeah so have we you know i know you you guys are very early in in this program in this project is there anything that we're seeing so far that that you can speak about yeah we, we're seeing differences we we've got our isotope back our isotope uh, results back from the lab now and we've been looking at that so we are seeing differences now we need to definitely wait for our second and our third growing season to really robustly determine which varieties are, are you know, standing at the very top of the list. But but so far we, we are seeing differences. That's exciting. Is there anything, you know, what, what these, what, I guess when we do get this information together, and maybe we've, we've spoken on this a couple times already, but what will this mean for producers in the future? Is there anything that they can think about that, that maybe, you know, this is what, I may be able to implement on my farm in the future because of this research. Yeah, when we're done the trial, we'll we'll kind of 
you know, publish a little list and get some fact sheets out to, to flag the varieties that show the most promise for improving nitrogen use efficiency. And, you know, that information could be useful to breeders to keep going with this work, but also currently that information would be just valuable to farmers right away. So, you know, for example, if certain wheat varieties are capable of producing high yields at lower fertilizer rates, because they have a higher nitrogen use efficiency, then that will help growers to select the best varieties for optimizing profits. And also like a small improvement in nitrogen use efficiency could have a big impact. And on the other side, like on the other hand, this is also really good too, because if you're um, applying less fertilizer, not only does it cost less um, in terms of total input costs to, to producers, it's also good because it reduces the risk for nitrogen loss in the environment, whether that's as a greenhouse gas or, you know, uh, uh, runoff or erosion or uh, bleaching. Uh, and so you've got these environmental uh, side benefits as well. So, um, you know, directly benefits farmers and also helps with the sustainability metrics as well. It's, yeah. it's a very important conversation. I mean, I don't want it to go too far down the political road, but, you know, you know, the question of are we, you know, are we going to start being restricted on the amount of nitrogen we could potentially apply? And, and, and you know, we're seeing that in other countries already. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good <clears throat> question, right? Yeah. So if we can try to kind of get ahead of the game here and just get as much information as we can, then we're kind of arming ourselves with that information, which is always best to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, very important work. And, and, Again, I greatly appreciate your time, the, taking the time to chat with us. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish, Kate? Uh, no, I think I think we've covered most of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, again, thank you for the time. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the results come forward, and, and I'm sure the producers are as well. So. Well, thanks for your interest, and thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for listening to the Growing Point podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a second to rate, review and share this podcast with all of your friends. This helps us grow and get our message out. You can also sign up for the Growing Point newsletter by going to Alberta Wheat or albertabarley.com and sign up for our mailing list. This will help you stay up to date on all the agronomic information we share through articles, interviews, and the newsletter. See you next time.